0: Welcome to part three of my fibromyalgia journey. And it was overnight. It was so sad. My gorgeous wine cellar just sat there for months on end, months on end anyways. But the good thing was I lost 10 pounds, which I needed to cause I was getting way too heavy for my height. And it was the to making my hip sore as well. And if you're overweight with fibromyalgia or autoimmune disorders or rheumatoid arthritis, you are doing nothing but a dis- favor and a disservice to your body guys. Cause your joints, they just, it's so hard on them. So you will do better if you can keep your weight down and maintain it. I've got some tips for that. Um, you'll just feel healthier all around mo- more often than if you're overweight and, and you're in constant inflammation. Okay, so I took that away. I felt great for a number of months and I don't think there was much else going on. I had to have major surgery uh, on my girly parts, it's that fall or I think it was that fall. And that is probably why I was off the Cymbalta. That had to be the year of the surgery. I was trying to, when I was trying to tell the story to someone the other day, I was like, why have I got my timeline mixed up? But what happened with that, why I'm mentioning it is, my girlfriend up the road who got me into bysalis Uh, we've all just kind of let it go. You know, these are how multi-level marketing companies work. I still was using the products, but she got into essential oils into a company called young living and they changed everything for me. They're a huge part of my regime. Now, if you're not using essential oils and have fibro, please, you need to get educated, I do some stuff on YouTube. I'll be doing more my Facebook pages and groups. Dr. Axe does huge stuff with essential oils. I, I put a lot of his videos on, on the living well, Facebook page. Because he, I mean, why do I need to recreate the wheel when someone so brilliantly can do it? Dr. Axe is great. So she got me onto something called a morphine bomb. Uh, After the drugs kind of, I didn't have to be on the heavy duty drugs because they did, I had stitching all through up internally. And it was, it was a huge recovery, a couple of months. And we figured we might as well do this now while I was off work. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's also why I went off the cymbalta because I was going to be on. I ran out of it, and I wasn't feeling great in the summer anyways. And I was going to be on these huge painkillers in the fall, so I was off the cymbalta. Discovered essential oils, and she made me something called a morphine bomb, and I think it's Idaho balsam fir, copaiba, and frankincense, five drops of each in a capsule. Fantastic. Now, you might disagree with me. Painkillers do not work for most fibro patients. Our pain is imaginary to the most part. We have an overactive system that's sending out the wrong signals, but it's not like you've hurt yourself for real and or you know your back's out or you've tripped and broken a bone. So painkillers are really kind of useless for me. I'm always very careful how I use them anyways because they're very hard on the liver, especially Tylenol. And they're just not a go-to option for me right out of the gate. Okay, that being said, I also found them very not very effective. So it always surprises me when I talk to people that are taking about 7 pills a day and one in some of them are like ongoing painkillers on a daily basis and I'm thinking is that really helping? It does for some people, especially since for the most part we have other aches and pains that can be that the drugs do help with. I can understand that and I've really actually had to kind of absorb that. The last year I've had to kind of resort to to taking something once in a while because my lower back has gone out, my neck, I've started suffering these terrible migraines. Things change, guys. You know what I conquer in one year. Something else comes up in the next. So painkillers were off the table. Well, by the time I got through the surgeries, you know, four to six weeks where they've got you off the heavy duty drugs, I'm still in pain. So she introduced me to this thing called the morphine bomb. And they, there was a wonderful and really helped with the, uh, fibro. And as I got more mobile again, my knee, like I mentioned, was a hotspot for me. They have, a, they have a, a product called Panaway that's a blend of, you know, wintergreen and peppermint and helichrysum with the anti-inflammatory properties that you put on, that I was really helping with my knee, like really helping. I wasn't having to take drugs every day. I just, you know, smothered my knee in oil and carried on. So you have to accept, I believe, that you want other choices because if you're not willing to, to spend the money or make the choice, you're going to be living on the drugs. Okay. And that's okay. If that is your choice, just accept it. But if your choice is like me and you want to be more holistic and more high functioning, more of the time and healthier for longer period of time in your life without secondary issues, 20 years down the road, then please consider alternative options. So essential oils became a big thing for me. And I started studying them. I started, I joined the company. Uh, Young Living costs nothing to join. That's why I always promote it on my Facebook pages and send people the links. It's not a company that I'm necessarily making money on. I get a small check every month and I order my stuff every, every month. It is not like Vysalis where it was earning me a living. It's just something I like to share. I sell it my, I don't even charge retail when I resell my oils. That is just I want people to know they're out there and to use them to understand them and realize you can get a lot of relief from them. So Young Living is not like most multi-level marketing companies. You don't make a huge amount of money like some of them. But the nice thing is for the everyday person, it costs nothing to join. And then you can order your oils for the same price I order my oils from. Uh, which is really, really nice. And you don't have to be on an auto ship every month, that sort of idea. Instead of penalizing you like most companies do for not ordering every month, you just don't get the bonuses. There's some great bonuses by being on their product. There's stuff called Essential Rewards where you do order every month. Then you get freebies and you earn points towards free products. So I've always just done that. And I've got you know people below me, so I get a small check every month. So my oils, I have built that business to a point where it kind of washes itself out every month where... It basically pays for what I use. Well, you know what? That's a win. That's a win, guys. Every couple hundred bucks that you can not have to spend out of your pocket for what you use to keep you healthy, I think is a good thing. Okay? So anyways, so Young Living Oils uh, really got into that. Okay, so where are we here? I'm through all that, though. The pain gets a little more over body-wise than I can handle, and I go back on the Cymbalta in the fall. And within a few weeks, my husband finds me in the bathtub with a razor at my wrist. It brought on debilitating depression. I wasn't on antidepressants at the time. And my husband just walked in and said, we can't live, you know, we can't live like this. We've got to find other options for you. So this is where everything sort of came to a head and we had to start making choices. Now, we'd hung on that year and I had to go on back on my antidepressants to counteract the Cymbalta. I finished it didn't renew the prescription have never been on it since because by then now the research started the move started we i decided i came to my husband and said that's it we can't hang on to this house anymore we've blown through 40 grand of our savings is gone we we just can't live this lifestyle any longer and I put the house up for sale and it was gone in 48 hours we went off to play safe now this was not a good thing for my personality I've always been a person with huge amount of faith. I believe a lot in in the law of attraction. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in what you know. What we put out there, we get back. I just things have always worked out for me, and I've never not eaten. Okay, there have been tough times. I was a single mom, but I've never not eaten. And as my girlfriend says, you know, it's just you. You're like a horseshoe. It's just it comes eventually, and it's true. But I lost that faith. You know, I've been two years now, almost where... Not feeling myself diagnosed with this disease, having to, you know, sell my treadmills, give up my life. And now I'm losing my house, the home that I dreamt about for 20 years, the home I designed and built myself. Well, a team built it, but I designed it actually and oversaw a home that we had shared with all of our friends were huge entertainers and it was all being taken, quote unquote, taken away from me. Didn't handle that well. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So I've had i I'd had a rough year. I wallowed in my my diagnosis. I wallowed in my victim. I wallowed in my feel story for myself. Now I've lost my house and we go play safe. We start shopping around for something that we can buy mortgage-free. So we go looking for a townhouse. And we did. We found something that, you know, quite honestly would have probably worked really nice for us. But I was used to having this huge yard. I so I the, the problem with the, the house, guys, was it was three levels, all stairs. I had to give up my cleaning crew because I had a cleaning crew when I was working. Of course, I'm not working full-time and, and then cleaning all weekend. I gave that up years earlier. I made choices when I was much younger that I couldn't be super woman. You know, the seven, the eight, the con the um, teachings of the eighties and nineties that women can do it all. Oh, bullshit. That is just bullshit. You cannot do it all. So I made a choice. I was making good money and we had this home. I had cleaning people every two weeks that looked after that so that we could have a life on the weekends. And, And, and I just had to work, loved it, had to give all that up. And I literally couldn't physically manage three levels of 3,500 square feet, wood floors, that whole idea, big windows, this huge garden down this ravine that my husband says no more. Like I fell once and then he said, that was it. If you, if you're here when I'm not home, you know, we just can't have this. He was not as upset about it as I was. To him, it was, you know, it was just a house, but it was my dream. Now, my husband didn't sort of grow up like I did. We we do definitely do come from slightly, he's a bit redneck, there you go. He's just a little bit redneck, my husband. And I'm a little more citified. I may have grown up with all that redneck crap, but I chose to be a city girl and we've had a great life, but the house just was just a house to him where for me, it was just, it was my home. It was my dream. And it was beautiful. And I loved living in that beauty. Anyways, it was gone. So off we went to play safe. We found a townhouse, decided that it would serve our needs. It was great, but had this little postage stamp yard, but at least it was not in a huge complex. There was lots of parking. It was just a mile up the road. So we'd still see our friends and we were going to renovate the kitchen and just turn it into a place that we could still entertain and still have a smaller version of the life we had. And I think it would have worked very well. Well, do you know what? Three days after New Year's of that year, so this is four years ago now, okay? A neighbor phoned and said, so-and-so's house across the street from us, which is up the hill in my neighborhood, is putting her house up for sale tomorrow. And Keith and I just looked at each other, and, and I went, no, I'm not, I'm not staying in debt. I'm not. And uh, that was my first reaction. But then we had to think about it. This house had, a rental, had three suites in it, actually. The family built, did this huge renovation to build these three suites, One was decommissioned because she wasn't really playing by the rules. So the basement had all been joined into one big suite. And upstairs is where there were already renters paying the mortgage. And we thought, despite how scared I was, how afraid I was of the future, how I thought this disease had taken everything from me. I'm still an accountant. I'm still good with money. And I realized that $300,000 mortgage that we're going to keep, someone else is paying it and we would just be stupid not to. So we did. We worked out a deal. We let the other people from the townhouse keep our small deposit. I mean, there was nothing else we could do. They didn't come after us legally, luckily. Although it was a huge, another huge stress thing that went on there. Just lack of communication, having the wrong friends involved in your business. It's just, you know, sometimes, sometimes you shouldn't have your close friends just involved in your stuff. Really consider who who you do business with. It was a huge learning experience for me. But anyways, this is the fall, You know, New Year's, sorry. By 24 hours later, we made a deal on the house. The house was furnished because she was doing executive rentals. So we're October, it's January 3rd, 4th idea. By January 10th, she had a rent check in her hand. We had finalized the deal, sold our house for $100,000 more than we bought this place for. Cleared all the debt out of our, of uh, other than our mortgage, off our plates that we'd accumulated with my illness for two years, and had a mortgage that just kept the mortgage that we had, and someone else is now paying it. So we're basically living for the same, and we're on three quarters of an acre, of private, spectacular yards, with this great front yard that I could garden. There was a team here that looked after the gardens that we just brought in twice a year to do the heavy lifting. I was able to be more active again. And because we rented the place, we spent six weeks moving until February 14th. So it's it been four years yesterday. Moving up the street, sometimes in wheelbarrows, cleared our lives of so much clutter. Cause I I come from a family of hoarders. My mom's a huge hoarder. Again, it goes back to that, I was mentioning earlier, that fear she lives in and that greed that runs her life. It's very unfortunate. I feel very sorry for her, how that drives her life but those are her issues and she's 77 years of age and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do at this point in life to change that. She doesn't want to change it and deal with her issues. She just knee jerks and carries on and does what she's going to do. I get blamed a little bit for being a bit like that. I do tend to hang on to stuff. I look at it this way. I sometimes, first of all, I like my stuff. Okay. It's my stuff as a single mother and doing without for a lot of years. When I say for something and I own it, it's because I really wanted it and I don't I just don't give it away. Things have meaning to me. My husband, not a rat's ass, does not care. But he's also really bad with money. Terrible with money. Live will, would live. would He was in debt when I met him. He'll be in debt till he dies unless I'm running the money. And he gets, if he doesn't use something for three months, he gets rid of it. And then he just goes, buys it again six months later. He is so wasteful. He just, he makes me insane. So we have this amazing marriage except for money and drinking. <laughs> I got to say, that's pretty about the only two issues that man has in that we struggle with, but I am not like that. But luckily, you know, in our marriage, I was the income earner and I'm the one that handles the money. So we did very well, but now I'm not the one making the money and I'm sick. And I handed the reins over to him for a year and he made a total disaster of it. So we needed to get back out out from under all that. And I needed to accept that I have gifts that God gave me and just illness or not, I needed to get off my ass and get back looking after the things that I'm supposed to be looking after. So we moved into this house right, basically right away because our other house, we'd already started packing. It was just a gong show. And like I mentioned, OCD here. I do not know why, and I I ask you to take the blessings when you have them. My health was amazing during that six weeks. I lost another 10 pounds, so I was back to my regular weight of 140 from 162. And my health just held up. I didn't crash. I didn't go into flare. It was unbelievable and the new house came with a hot tub. It was old, 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 but it was a hot tub. I had an infrared sauna already. I'd wanted one for years and I already had it when I got sick. Infrared saunas are great for detoxifying, raising your metabolism. So when you're not super active and you don't want to gain weight and heat, heat is wonderful for fibro patients. Okay. These are the things that are, I had to put, I put into my regime regularly so these are the things I'm trying to share with you, but all the little things that I do on a regular basis, what you do 80% of the time is a good habit. Okay. And when you let things slide, you will notice like letting your diet slide, and you gain 10 pounds over Christmas, you know, you've got to get back on a good eating plan or you're going to be 20 pounds heavier by June. That's just the deal. It's no different than with your disease. It's something that has to be monitored. You need to be on a regime. I hate to break this to you, but you don't get to fly by the seat of your pants. I have never met a single fibro patient that it succeeds flying by the seat of their pants. You must recognize your body, do the research, find out what works for you, and you must keep it in place 80% of the time. Okay, that's my number one, number one thing to tell you. So if you were hoping to listen to this, to find this, you know, hour and a half of, of podcasting, hoping that I was going to tell you that it was all easy, no, it's 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 just freaking not. <laughs> and. However, every time I came across an obstacle, I went out to find a solution to that obstacle. And I'll talk about some of those things uh, as we go along. So one of the things was hot tub. Now the hot tub Keith got, kept working for me for a couple of years. I would go out and get in it for 10 minutes in the morning. Cause I, I was back to struggling again. I wake up in the morning, uh, quite stiff and kind of moving around like a little old lady. So when I say that I'm high functioning, it's because I don't, get up in the morning and stay in that state. I get out in the hot tub for 10 minutes, soak all those joints, do my stretching, get up, shower, get my butt to yoga three times a week. Okay. Now my core strengths looked after I've loosened up my, my fluid and, uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fascia stretched. Okay. And at nighttime, again, the pulling of the legs, the sore hip, the sore knee, back in the hot tub for 10 or 15 minutes, just before bed, rinse off, crawl into bed, fall asleep. Now, Through this process, someone that we know very, very well had a license to grow legal marijuana in BC and uh, because his parents had rheumatoid arthritis and he grew medical grade organic legal marijuana and it was whatever it was, it was good for sleep. So cannabis oil was something that I was introduced to and I have to say it's a godsend. Now, do all the doctors agree? No. In fact, when I had a really tough time... A year or so after moving here and went to the doctor said, you know what, I I just want to talk to someone. I want some therapy. I need some better coping mechanisms. They fast tracked me into the psych system where they put me on Seroquel, told me I had a personality disorder and drugged and put me in a corner and told me that my cannabis was going to give me lung cancer. Uh, I wasn't smoking it. I was ingesting it, idiots, and using it topically. So you've got to be very careful out there. Just because they're doctors doesn't mean they're smart. There are some really bad, bad doctors out there who don't have a freaking clue about good health and the choices that you might want to make with your health, okay? So please, please, please be informed. Make your decisions wisely. And what's good for one person is not good for another. For me, this was not the answer. And in fact, we've had another round of Syroquil in our life because it's um, an antipsychotic or something that they put bipolar people on and they've got my son on it. And it's just made him a drooling idiot and he can no longer go to work. He's had to go off on medical leave. There are better answers. We're finding the better answers, but this is their first go to to get them out of the manic stage. Now, granted that was sort of one of my problems. We moved into this house, got into this new regime. I was able to set up my sauna. Someone else is paying the mortgage. The first year, not so good. I let, like I say, the the last six months and the first six months in this house, I let Keith handle the finances, had to take that back. He just literally cannot handle that crap. And he would have buried us again. So it's like, nope, got to take that back. The oils are in place. My sauna fit in the house. I have a hot tub. I have made a decision that I need to function. So away we go. We are a year and a bit past my formal diagnosis, two years past all the stress of whatever, you know, all the crap that we were dealing with, starting on a new regime. Now we're kind of two and a half years into it and we're in this home. I have a wonderful office. It's beautiful and bright and overlooks the back gardens. That became a really safe haven for me. I was so grateful to be in a home that first year that had no stairs, that made all the difference to my physical well-being because I wasn't overdoing it all the time. Fibromyalgia patients, when you're always pushing yourself, you're always relapsing. So it was a long two year journey. I've been in this house four years now. The first two years was a a long journey on finding balance. Hence, when I went to the shrink uh, three and a half years ago, whenever that was, i get a little manic my friends to just call me hyper sugar really affects me so I, it's not and it, it's not something i crave like i'm a savory person i mean give me a cheese plate and a pastel plate with a glass of freaking rich red wine and i'm a happy camper. you stick a thing of chocolate brownies in front of me i'm like that's nice one those are chocolate i can't eat them two they're wheat i can't eat them three they're sugar i'm not eating those i did they don't, don't even really tempt me maybe twice a year i have a binge i'm a binger I'm a binger you don't have an eating disorder without there being something there that drives that eating disorder because I was bulimic not anorexic and nowadays though though if I want the I just have the binge okay and it's just like there's no guilt it's like you know because it won't happen again for six months I know myself now and I just I work with that but at the time I was still finding my footing and what was happening was I was getting on good days and I talked to so many clients like this we overdo it then we're in bed for three days Then we go out and we overdo it. And then we're in bed for three days, sometimes a week, sometimes two, depending on our bodies and our immune systems. Okay. That needed to find some balance now dealing with my son with his bipolar. Do you know what? Yeah. Maybe the shrink was right. I do tend to get a little manic and actually I own it now. I don't just, I don't lie. Yep. I'm a little manic and I can tell days when I'm a little manic, like today, actually I'm a little, I'm a little hyper on this podcast. I'm a little excited. That is my mania showing through a little bit. And it has to—it kind of has to be dealt with. So what I've discovered, though, is after the Quill stuff, was I like who I am. And that is what's made the last two and a half years so different than the first two and a half years. I like the energetic person that I am. People are attracted to my energy. It, it's a big part of my business. It's why people come to me for advice. They know I have answers because I have this gift of knowledge. That's always what I've been known for. In fact, we'll, I'm going to be starting, and you know, Shelley's top three suggestions each week. We haven't come up with a cute name yet. Just maybe, you know, top three Tuesdays or something of uh, of things I recommend to people. They can be anything from lipsticks to meat slicers to a new supplement. It just simply will not matter. My friends are all like, "Cause there's so much stuff we come to you for," and it's like, "Oh, all right, that might be kind of a cool idea." So it's it's going to be the blog that's on the new website. So many things I. I have to learn and try about, but where it changed for me was I accepted that I liked who I am and I wasn't going to drug that person away with an antipsychotic. However, I did have to start learning my triggers. I also, even though I had just an episode with this, like not even a year ago with a neighbor, I've also learned to, to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, when you have your day timer going, I book my energy. I do not book my time. I had a girlfriend, who I used to work for next door. I helped her with her estate. The estate got done. It went off to a big accounting firm. And four months later, I am looking at her books because there's an online system that I'm still tied into. And I'm like, hey, hon, um, your accountants aren't doing your actual bookkeeping. None of your banks are balanced. None of your stuff is posted. They're just sort of doing the big picture stuff. So I said, let me come, I'll come and give you a hand with this. Well, she kind of took that as me coming back like to work where I kind of felt I was more doing a favor, just lack of communication. Anyways, bottom line was, When we started the renovation on our house this past year and my life was here to here, I was kind of fitting her in and she lost it one day and just said, this isn't right. I hire you and I expect you to be here. And I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. What I do for you is a favor. Yes, you pay me, but I fit you in. I thought we were clear. You fired me. You're like, I was done with what we needed to do. I'm only helping you because the people you replaced me with weren't getting it done. This was just... You know, communication is so very important, guys. And it's very important as well with your disease, with the people around you, that they understand what you go through. This is where I am very lucky. A little segue. Uh, I need to come back to that, though, because this is where I really became conscious of how my schedule needed to change. I do not book things into my week based on the amount of time I have. I book based, based, based on my energies. Because one of the comments she said was, you have all this time. All the time in the world doesn't matter if my brain is shut down from fibro fog and my body is so sore i can't sit in a chair which by the way was what really threw us the first uh, year of the fibromyalgia fibromyalgia why i couldn't work i couldn't sit for longer than uh, an hour i forgot to mention that my pain was so severe in, in my whole body and in my joints that i literally could not sit at my desk i'd sit for 30 minutes balance our banks pay our bills and have to get up and leave hence the 20 pounds I spent a lot of time laying down I swear and resting and reading and you know I'd get the housework done then I'd go rest again but not sitting sitting was yucky now again I'd had a couple of bad car accidents lower back hips that sort of thing these are areas that have been traumatized before and they become hot spots for the fibro so it was my girlfriend and I had this huge blow up and it but it was you know we fixed it. it was all great but I realized I was not honoring what needed to happen here. We were back to me thinking time was money or time was my currency. And when you have fibromyalgia, time is never your currency. Never, never, never. Okay? Energy is your currency. And you must manage it all the time. And the people in your household that live with you, screw the parents and the extraneous and the sisters and brothers and the negative aunts and uncles and the idiot that sits on his couch all day and then tells you you can't do something. Just It's like we used to say in the network mar- marketing business when people, you know, those things don't work. Yeah, you know what? If you're getting advice from an uncle that is still in the same dead-end job, has never had a promotion in 30 years and is making, you know, minimum salary and sits in front of a couch and is 40 pounds overweight, he is not the person to be taking advice from. Okay, you go to the people that are succeeding in their life for advice. It is the same thing with fibro your family may never know, understand what's going on. If they do, God bless you, more power to you. I do not have that benefit. I have completely ignorant, d- detached, emotional people around my, in my family. My neighborhood of friends are amazing. People in my neighborhood read up. They tried to understand my disease. They, they accept it. My close friends, they're like watchdogs for me now. Cause you know, we see each other Say for instance, we go away for the summer. I go up to my parents' uh, vacation home in Penticton, and I have my friends that live in Kelowna. They come down, and Beard is like, "All right, okay, you've done that. You've done this today. You're done." My husband, I have a four-hour window in the garden when I'm having a good day. Oh, I just want to stay out there all day, and he's like, "You're done," because he watched me for a year. The first year we owned the house, crash over and over and over again, and you just you just don't bounce back. I bounce back a lot quicker now, but back then, you know, what would put me down for a day now put me down three days back then, four years ago. So everything is about managing your energies. Okay. Not your time. Time is not your currency any longer. So my day timer, which uh, is, is my, is my iPad guys. I don't use a paper day timer anymore, but whether you do or don't, it doesn't matter. Has everything scheduled into it, including my nap. Now there's lots of days. Today's probably a day I'm not going to nap. I can kind of tell right now that I'm going to be okay. But there's days that nap goes into my schedule every day, Monday to Friday, so that I do not overschedule myself. If I have a client and I want to do a podcast for two hours in the morning, which means I'm not going to start bookkeeping till noon and I need to put in four, five, six hours. means I'm going to bookkeep till dinner. That's okay. But I have to be aware of that. But I cannot have a calendar that looks open and someone phones up and I'm like, yeah, I can fit you in there because I can't. I fail at it 100% of the time. And yet I keep doing it. It's, it's amazing how you just, the penny doesn't drop really quickly for a lot of people. And it certainly didn't drop quickly for me. So please manage your energies. Okay. So that really taught me after dealing with that shrink about the choices I wanted to make. So what are some of the things I do that I put in place two years ago? The hot tub, huge, huge deal. When the hot tub broke down, my husband fixed it the first, second time, third time. It's really old, so it was hard getting parts from. It's down now, unfortunately, and I've had to revert back to my bathtub. But even he said, you function so much better with that hot tub. So the good news is we have the ability perhaps to buy a used one right now, and we're probably going to get it fixed because he is right. I do. I don't want to get necessarily into my bathtub twice a day for 40 minutes with a soak. And my house lives on a water meter, so every ounce of water I use, I pay for when I can run out to the hot tub for 10 minutes, jump in naked because no one can see into my yard and get out again and, and and get on with my day. Like, I just love that convenience of that. So that's something I I, I need to, I think we need to put back into place, even though there's going to be a bit of a significant um, cost to that. My oils, here's a few little tips. Your memory is a tough thing. It is for me anyways. I, and I'm very scared of it a little bit and I don't want to, Buy into that fear again, you know what? We attract, we think about, we dwell, law of attraction. I do not want to be that person. But my whole family deals with dementia and Alzheimer's. The same mental illness on my mom's side is the same group group of family that deteriorates mentally very quickly. Our bodies live forever. Like my mom's probably got another ten years on her easily. If not twenty. She could live into her nineties, but her mind isn't. Her mind's already going now. My dad has full-on dementia. And I watched both my grandparents suffer with this and it's, it's just disgusting and debilitating.